The Story in Your Head, Episode 3, Leading Leaders. Welcome to the podcast, The Stories in Your Head, where we explore how stories in your head can influence your actions and the actions of others. I'm Michelle Masago. And I'm Ron Macklin. And today our topic is leadership, in particular, leading others. People usually advance in their career, they become managers, and managers tend to lead others. Do you have to be a manager to lead others? Ron, how do you hold the difference between management and leadership? Thanks, Michelle. First, I want to answer the first question is, do you have to be in management to be a leader? No. Actually, Max Dupree wrote quite a bit about what he called roving leaders, people who are out on the floor, people who other people would follow. And no, there are many times, and very powerfully, individuals who are don't hold a management role, don't hold a supervisor role, but they create something that other people want to follow either a story or an idea or a way of being or a way to do something or even just as simply as time to go on break and like everybody follows, right? And those roving leaders are very powerful to notice, right? But also to be able to create them, to notice them, appreciate them and create them. Yeah, so let me ask a question on that. You said to be able to create them. How do you do that? How's that happen? Great. First, I start with creating in my own head that there are roving leaders, that there are people that are out there that don't have a position, like a management position, that are leading others. It's a natural phenomenon for humans to follow other humans, which means somebody is leading. Now, the, the original act that happens is somebody follows somebody else, which makes the other person the leader. But that is the space where that's just natural, happens in humans, happens in the world, like all the time. When I create the story that I'm going like, there are natural roving leaders out there and I'm looking for them. And then I create what it is they are. And when I find them, like to acknowledge them, to thank them, but also to bring them into the stories that we're, where we're going and what we're doing so that they can see the power of what we're creating and actually add into it because nobody knows what's happening in the in the business like roving leaders. They're, they're next to it. They're connected. They understand all the moods, the gossips, the trends, the, everything that's happening inside that space that everybody complains about or dreams about or talks about and loves, right? They're connected to that space. Yeah, thanks, Ron. You know, it reminds me of a story. So one of the roles that I had, you know, I was in technology and we were automating an assembly line, which had these like little bottles that came across them. And our job was if the bottle, if the label wasn't even on the bottle, we had some really great technology. It would use a little puff of air and blow it off the assembly line. And this was with the thought that we as computers could program computers to do it better than people. I'll let you know where that went in a minute. But we didn't know anything about assembly lines. So we thought we did. And we got out there and I will say the first thing that we learned was that the air that comes out is at 90 PSI. That may not mean much to you, but in a very small bottle, it essentially shot that bottle about 
so far that it dented the door that it hit. I'll just put it that way. So that was our first, <laughs> oh my God, we have no idea what we're doing, right? Then after we got up the floor laughing, exactly, we hit yep. the you know, emergency button because we were messing things up and costing the company tons of money. But then we took the things that, well, maybe we should ask people that are on the line. And somebody stepped up and goes, let me tell you how you can do this. And we worked through it. We certainly made it work pretty well. Humans still turned out to be better than computers in this particular one. But boy, the guy was amazing. He really knew how to do it. And what we ended up doing was putting more manual procedures in place for the people to do even a better job. So is that kind of what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. It is. It's my stand that people want to contribute to something that's better than them. And then leadership or management get in the way. So my question to you, Michelle, but also to everyone is how many people are out there in your organizations right now that know a better way, a faster way, a safer way, a higher quality way of doing something, but they don't feel that they have the space to contribute. They're not included inside the process. And when you found this person, when you asked them, they had an answer. Like they had something to contribute. How many people out there have something to contribute? Yeah, thanks. I remember looking at this one person. He's looking at us smiling like, you know, these dorks on the on the line here trying to get this thing done. They have no clue. And he was absolutely right. And you know what I also really appreciated? He just said, here's how I can do better. You know, nothing in the beginning, like, you idiots, you know, here's how you need to do this. No, I've been thinking about this for a while. He's been working on the assembly line 20 years. Geez, if anybody knows it, it's this person. And it was dignified. And I was like, wow, this is great. Now, thanks, Michelle. One of the things that I learned pretty early in my career, because I was working with mechanics that had been doing this stuff their whole life. In fact, some of them have been like second and third generation mechanics, right? They, they know what they're doing, right? And I'd go out and they'd say, what do you want me to do, boss? And I'd go, um, well, I, we needed, we needed to, like this one needs to look like in the end. What do you think the best way to do that is? And they kind of look at me and, this puzzled look on her face. And I go, dude, I'm, I'm here neck down. I go neck down. What do you mean? Neck down. Now you tell me what to do and then I'll do it. And I go, uh, now what, what came forth for me in that moment is that's the culture that has been put in their space, their entire life. They knew a better way. And every time they tried to share it, they got shut down. And I was going like, no, we don't, we don't, I hired everything. I didn't pay just, you know, 90% of the wage. I paid a hundred percent of the wage. I get you from neck up too. So how would you do that? And you could see the fear, the, the scared person coming out going like they know how to do it, but now they're going to be responsible. And it was petrifying to them. Right. And I was going like, I trust you. You know what to do. Just share with me. Like what, what you're doing? So if somebody asks, I can say, yep, I told them to do that. And they look at me like, you take the blame if we do it wrong? Oh, absolutely, I would. Where's team? And they just kind of like slowly move forward, right? And over time, we built this trust where I could just say, this is what I need done. And what I found was they had a faster, higher quality, lower risk at safety ideas than I could ever come up with or anybody on my team could come up with. Thanks, Ron. It reminds me back to my earlier question when I peppered you with questions there. You kind of talked about a little bit there, management versus leadership, right? Leaders give a spot to be inclusive for some of these 
But what about management? Some leaders also have management responsibilities. How do they separate those two and, and how do you hold the difference? So first, I try to pull away the verses. There's leadership and there's management and they're, they're different roles. There's a different orientation. And you, you can be a manager and a leader and you can be a leader and a manager or you can be a leader and not a manager or a manager and not a leader. Separate those two apart. Management is kind of a, I call a legal or organizational distinction. What does that mean? It means I can hire somebody. I can fire somebody. I can give them a performance review. I can give them a raise. I can demote them. I can give them assignments. I can move them to a different job. I can make requests for them to do things, right? And what that means is there are certain things that I'm given authority by the company or legal that enables me to say, these are the things that I'm doing. And this is my role as a manager. I manage these things. And that's me doing things. Leadership is creating a story of the future that is so seductive and so powerful that people want to follow. Completely different. It's a social distinction. What does that social mean? I mean, there's no hiring, there's no firing, there's there's none of that other activities. It's just simply, do I create a story that is so seductive to go forward that people want to follow? Now, some of the fundamental parts of that are, like it's gotta be a, a picture of the future that takes care of the big group. When I say big group, that could be the company. Because the company's not like a company, a company is just an, a group of people. So it's gotta take care of the group of people. And it also has to take care of the individual. So it's got to be a space where the individual can contribute to the bigger group and the individual wins and the group wins. And they both can live a good life. And when you put both of those together, right, in in a story, they connect. And then that's the person can say, and you can walk away from the, the conversation and they can hold it. They can look at it and go, well, see, now if I do this, it'll take care of the company and I can get, it takes care of me and I can, okay, I got it. I know what I'm doing here. I see what it's supposed to look like at the end. Now, does that mean that they won't ever not hold what you wanted? No, because we're humans and we make up stories and they have a story in their head about what they want and nobody walks out on the floor or in the line saying, today I'm going to screw it up. But they have a story in their head that says this is what it means to do it the best way. And sometimes that's not the best way and it screws up. And it's a great opportunity to notice what the story really is because we never really know until we see what they do. Mm, thanks. So let me, let me try something here. So I hold and heard management can kind of be looked at as a set of operational or tactics that you do. Tactics may not be the right word, but operational, right? You hire, you fire, you give feedback, you give people raises, do objectives, that type of stuff. Leadership, right, has that story along with it where people want to follow you because it's something that takes care of them, yourself, and the company. So if a leader has that story, can that reduce sort of the tactical management? And what I mean by that, if employees are happy, they understand what they need to do, would that reduce things like turnover? things like different coaching or feedback. I'm just curious, what's been your experience with that? And thanks, Michelle. My experience is when you become competent at crafting stories that attach the individuals, like what they want in life and the group's life and take care of all the concerns and then you have a story that goes that direction, management's concerns go down dramatically. There's a space where 
you're not having to hire because you're not losing people unless you're growing and then you're hiring, but then you end up in a space where you lead people to do the hiring. So you're not hiring. And then there's a space where you don't need to do terminations. You don't need to do performance improvement plans, all those other things that's out there because everybody can see what they need to get done. And then, then you're really not needed. And it's one of the, one of my favorite quotes from it was John Cleese, but he, you know, it was in a, a management leadership training video. And it basically said the greatest compliment a leader can be told is that he's no longer needed. And that means he's, he or she has created the stories that enable the organization to operate without him. And we can get into why you would want to do that for your own life, like create a space that the story could run without you. We could do that later because without that, you can't create anything. You don't have the space. And it enables a dignified workforce to really create something that's amazing, low cost, powerful, and fun. Wow. Do you have any examples of where that worked for you? My first experiments really to lay all this out was when I I took over an organization that had been run by five different people in eight years. And every one of them had come in and failed. Not like failed bad, but they all left not to their own accord because they were removed. And so the team had had a lot of turtles, right? When a t- turtle meaning people had turtled up, they went into their shell and waiting for the next manager to get fired, right? And as I got to know the people and noticed their gifts, noticed their their what they're strong at, what they're powerful at, what they love, what their passions are, and brought fun into the organization that was like we could be ourselves and it was okay. We got to the place where slowly over about a year and a half, we got to the place where we actually, I could do my job in about 15 minutes a day. Now that's when I say that's the management part of it. That's that part, right? Now I still had, I still told stories. I still stopped by and talked to people. It's not like I went in for 15 minutes, went home, but I wasn't doing what most people would call my job. I did that in 15 minutes a day. So, you know, you said you did your job in about 15 minutes a day and then you did other things. And I just kept, that's a lot of time, right? Mm -hmm. It is. What what did you do? (laughs) What did you do the rest of your day? Listened. I did a lot of listening. I I go in and sit in different people's offices and I just listen and just kind of smile and and listen to to hear like what's happening and what they're doing. And, And then at times I would acknowledge them and say, that's great, man. Well done. I'm really, really satisfied with what's going on here. I also did a lot of reading the world to see what was going to happen next. So there's like, we, we, at the time we were in the gas business, and I mean gas is a natural gas conversion into electricity. So we were in the simple cycle and combined cycle power plant business. And what I was doing was looking at what's going to happen with the load, with what's the gas futures, what the price is going on, what's going to shift with global warming, and how is this all affecting everybody else at the same time, price of oil in, in Houston, and how com- much competition we're going to have for labor. And like I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. And uh, But if I didn't have the time to do that, I couldn't read the world to figure out how we're going to shape it. So when it came time to start hiring, I knew what our competition would be like and who we'd be up against and what we'd have to do to go do that. And was able to be ahead of that before it came time to go. So it's not like I didn't do anything. It's that I didn't do any management things. I did those in 15 minutes a day. Things I had to take care of. 
with the exceptions of occasionally we had some you know, corporate meeting I had to go to or something you know online or something we had to go to. Yeah, it was all about reading the world and beginning prepared for producing what is next. Some people could say that is still part of your job, but I found most people don't invest the time to learn what's coming so that you can get ready for it before it comes. And then I was looking at how do I develop leaders? I was looking at all the people that are on the team, like who could we develop into something else? Where could they go next? What was happening there? But it was like the day-to-day operations, 15 minutes a day. We had 300 technicians, no, 150 technicians, 350 employees. We had two tool facilities. We had all these other stuff going on, but everything that we did, I didn't do any of that every day just to check in for 15 minutes and I was done. Everything else was spent on creating what the future is going to look like. Yeah. So maybe we can shift a little bit. You said you looked to see who could be the next leaders. How did you do that? And how does it change when you suddenly have to lead other people that are leading? Yeah, great question. And I can say I screwed this one up a lot. The road of learning how to lead leaders and find leaders who will lead other people made some mistakes on that road. One of the things that I I was looking for first that didn't work was people who were good at doing their job would be good at managing people to do that job, right? No, experiment run doesn't work. And also people who are bad at doing their job will be bad leaders. That also doesn't work. What I shifted to was looking for who are the people who cared about people, who cared about who was out there, what they were doing, where their families were, how they were, like, were they tired, were they worn out, were they, I mean, actually, you could see it. There was care in their world for other people. And when I noticed that, then I started to have conversations. Most of them went something like this. Look, I don't want to be management. I don't want to do that. No, uh-uh, not going to be, no, 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 find somebody else. There are a lot of people who want to be manager. I don't want to be the manager. And I was going like, what, what, what is your story about that? Oh, it's just a whole lot of headaches. And, you know, you don't get any satisfaction of finishing a job. It never ends. You, you know, it's already ongoing when you came in and it's going to keep going after you go home. And I just like to come in and start and stop something and go home and I'm at peace. I go, okay, got it. And as I continued to get to know them and to see where the, like let them discover where they could influence the company because they could shape how that would work for them. I began to find those managers who were competent, but also cared about other people and they could see where they could make a difference for what they're doing. And when I made them the offers to come into the positions, they actually took ownership of it. And they would manage and lead the group both, but we worked on those, both of those distinctions, right? And they would lead the group in a way that I didn't have to get involved and they were dignified and they would contribute. And then when you had like five of those different positions, and then you got seven of those positions that are working together for me, they are coordinating and cooperating with each other. And then you're no longer needed except to set direction. We want to go that way. Wanted to look like this. So when you had those managers, were they both managers and leaders? Was that something you looked for, that combination, those two roles? They were both managers and leaders. And we worked, I worked with them to separate the two, like to separate the two roles. So that there were things they had to do that were management and they had, my requests were for them to be leaders. So they had management roles, 
taking care of expenses, approving expenses and giving promotions and doing reviews and doing all of those stuff, right? It had to happen as a manager. But then they also had a space where they would create the world that everybody lived into, the stories about that. So being a storyteller is one of the requirements I look for for somebody who can tell a good story. It could be either a funny joke, it could be whatever, but they love to share a story. Thanks. So let's go back to our my original sort of leading leader. So it seems like in your experience, and, and I see if I'm hearing you right, it's not just a leader. It needs your leading leader and managers. Can you lead just leaders? Well, you, you trigger me with like people are just a manager or a leader. Mm-hmm. And management is stories and leading is stories. They're just a set of stories they hold. And anybody can be a manager and anybody can be a leader. Now, not everybody will be as good at managing or leading as everybody else, right? Like some people are more gifted or they have more desire or in that space, but everybody can be both if they choose. So I'm, I'm managing and leading both of them. So let's go back to maybe my original one, leading others that lead. How is that different than just leading others? The simple difference is that when you're leading somebody, you really need to know their story. What do they care about? You know, it's hard to find out. You just, you know, ask them. And it's pretty easy to figure out how you can get them to connect those two together. Now, when you're looking at leading leaders, it's somebody who has to be interested. They're interested in the other person that's working for them. They're interested in what they care about. They're interested in that space. And it's a curiosity. It can be a curiosity to find out what they are, what, what somebody's doing. Like if you're leading somebody, you're always crafting the story and you know how do you connect these two together? But there's this element of you don't know what people care about and you're not involved in it. So you really go back to fundamentals, like what's underneath of that. So you you're actually start to lead people in the fundamental stories of leadership. People have stories. People are closed systems. They're going to make up what they make up. Everybody comes in to do a good job. You're building those stories for them in a way that they can notice the world through those stories. And it's a space where when you're working with folks, right, that you're working with them and they're noticing of how they notice. It's a space where as you're dancing with them in that space, like because they are not in their own head, which they are, but they're in their own head trying to figure out what other people are in their head. And it can be a lot of fun. It can be confusing. And it can also be exceptionally rewarding. Because the moment that they came in, this is one of my favorite moments in leading leaders. One of the best moments is when somebody comes to me and they, they have something they want to work on or they want to do, right? And you can see that they, they've thought through it. They're holding the mechanics. They're doing the stuff that's inside there. They, they got it all figured out, right? And they come to me and they say, I, I want to do this. And I ask this question. So are you informing me or are you asking permission? And th- this is the same kind of long pause that happens when I have this conversation. Because it, it shifts from them having somebody else be responsible, me, to where they're responsible. Now, the power of that is when they're responsible for it, they're all in. It is going to be the best they got. And that's good enough. I've never had anybody come to me when I ask that question, are you 
asking permission or are you just informing me? I've never had anybody say, I'm asking permission. They always say, I'm just letting you know what, what I'm going to do. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. I, I've heard that question before, and it definitely, at least for me, causes a moment of silence of, all right, I got this. And and you do have this. Yeah, and I did. Yeah. And it was great. And it gave me really confidence that the other person believed in me that I could just go do this. And I know I could ask for help, but it was something I could be proud of and, and take on. I think what you what you noted there is, is uh, like, I don't want to step over it. Believing in the people who work for you, who manage other people is critical. I would say it's essential or it's foundational and everything else is built upon that, that you believe in them. Yeah. I believe in you. This is my personal experience is not heard very often in business. Maybe this is yours. Go to it. You got it, but not, I believe in you. And I think that word believe for me, at least triggers such a different mood. What does it do for you? That piece or how critical is that piece in creating and sustaining? Sometimes you create a leader or help them to create themselves as leaders, but then they have to sustain themselves as leaders. And is that something that helps? What happens when somebody says they believe in me, my scared self, which is that internal fear that I have and everybody has is always in the, like right behind my thinking going like, you're going to screw this up. You're going to screw this up. This is not going to work. Blah, 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 blah. You should do this. You unless somebody else take the blame, blah, 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 all that stuff. That voice that's always there when somebody says they believe in me, I notice I can believe in myself and I can turn to my scared self and say, I got this. You sit over there. And what I've found is when I tell people, I believe in you, you got this. It does the same thing for them. And then as they go into it and things go wrong, because they always go wrong, like not like you want them to go, they know that they believe in themselves and they can figure out a way to get there. And they believe in themselves enough that other people begin to believe in them too. And other people start to believe in themselves. So their whole team starts to believe in themselves. Well, you can have a belief pandemic where it starts to spread through your entire organization. Wow, that's powerful. That sounds like that could be a whole topic for maybe a future podcast. Let me go back to another a question on leaders, right? Helping to build and helping others to create themselves as leaders. Is there anything you can do to help sustain leaders or help them to continue to grow? You know, I kind of think of it as a nurturing thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe my thinking is wrong on this but they, they have to be sustained and continued and nurtured. How, how does that work? Or is that a valid statement? It's exceptionally valid. When you're managing a individual, right? You're leading other people. There's a way that you acknowledge them and give them recognition for what they've done. And there's a certain amount of warmth and ego and pride or self-esteem. And then when you're leading leaders, There's a space where you no longer go in and say, you did a good job, but you do that. But you also say, who have you acknowledged today? Where have you told people they're doing a good job? Where have you told people that it's okay when they F up, that we'll learn and we'll go on. That's how we get better. When have you done that? And what 
when people go, when leaders go out into the world and acknowledge people and do that, you can see a shift in their world from like I'm doing good to I can help others do good. Holy smokes, this is a different space for me. I like this. Some of the people that I've, they reluctantly became leaders and managers. 15 years later, they're still doing it. They love it. They won't, they don't want to affect their way past retirement age and still doing it because that is a space that we really want to do in life. Humans really love to help others. And if you feel you're really helping others do something, uh, and that means by leading them, by creating spaces for them to step into, I've never had anybody say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. How about you, Michelle? Yeah, how about a powerful story? Yeah, for me, as I continue to grow the organization, right, and looking for the same thing, for those people that I saw leadership, and and I agree with you wholeheartedly, they actually care. Not actually, they did. They cared. They cared about others, and that made a difference. And what I noticed when they first became managers or leaders, they were scared, right? So that acknowledgement, hey, you did, it's fine. Every time we all mess up, right? I love to say we're perfectly imperfect humans. It will happen. It's a great learning experience. And what a great leadership story that is for others. And it's okay. And I also find very few people that have made that leap into leadership no matter how old they are. And I live in a, in a 55 and older community down here in Florida, and there's still some awesome leaders out here. And they're the ones helping to lead their community yep. as go forward. It's, it's just stays within there because they care and they want to see people's lives improve and be better. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. You were triggered by, uh, don't remember where I heard it from, but it's a story of two people. My story was two women walking and the young woman turns to the old woman and said, what's life's greatest burden? And the old woman says, to have none to carry. And once you have led people and made a difference, and it was you created a space where people really lived a better life because of what you did, and they did the work, and you created the space, and they stepped into it, it's like a drug. It's, it's addictive, and you want to keep doing it. And I've noticed it in my father, even though he's out of industry and all that, he's still looking for places where he can contribute to be a leader in that space. And I noticed that I wouldn't want to not be doing that because it is a very good place for me to be. And I think it is that way for others who jump in. Now, as a warning, is if you put somebody into a management role or a leadership role and they don't they don't have a good coach or a mentor to help them get there. And they do things, they can actually build a story about how terrible being a manager or leader is. And we, I see well, that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, having worked in industry, we always had a phrase, you join companies and you leave leaders or managers. Mm-hmm. And that's why sort of that sustaining piece, right? Mm-hmm. That leadership role, even more than the management role, because that is kind of transactional while required but that leadership role is critical for your company to continue to build and sustain. And I think even for the individual leader, right? It is very fulfilling. So I want to back up. What was that again? You join companies, but you leave leaders or managers. Yeah. Say a little more on that. Yeah. So I certainly can, can relate to this. So I didn't leave the company, but I joined a fantastic company. I believe in the mission of the company 
once in a while you come across, I'm going to call them a manager more than a leader, that my story was they were absent. They never showed up, didn't really care what I was doing. Now, part of it, I made up the story. Well, it gave me autonomy. Isn't that great? I can do whatever I want. But that's not really what I wanted, right? I needed help. Where was I going to get that help? How was I going to work through? And I felt that they didn't care. And I was like, well, why do I want to be here? There's no vision. There's no, uh, who am I going to work with to figure out, as you talked about, what's the future? What's it going to look like? Where are we going to go? And it was actually kind of lonely. And then, of course, everybody, the staff, right? That's what we started to do was just talk about how our manager was absent and not there and not caring. And one by one, people found another place to be where they could be belong, where they were felt included and could help shape the future. So that's the story I have on that one. And at least what happened to me personally. And I, by the way, I moved out too. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Have you ever run into that? Yes. And maybe I was too stubborn, <laughs> right? Like I kept holding that I could make it a better place. And it has caused me to stay places longer than I should have. I have left companies because of the leader, but it was my confidence, my belief in what I was doing and what I was going like I could make a difference. And finally I had to resolve that I couldn't make the difference. Like it wasn't within me to do that. And the space wasn't there for me to be able to make that difference. And I finally left, but it was not reflecting on it. It was the company that I joined and it was the leaders or the managers that I left. Yeah. In some aspects, I'm grateful to those, those individuals because, and by the way, I can totally relate to the stubbornness. The first time it happened to me, I, I held on to that stubbornness and I got better as time went on to know it's time to move on. But what it helped me to do is create a story of not that I'm not going to do that. And so it made me even more paying attention to acknowledging my staff, working and creating other leaders, being present with them. And that helped me. I think without some of those, those managers and leaders, I may not have noticed it as much and have put such a stand for myself to do something different. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. I accept, I agree, and I have no regrets. Right? All those things that I went through created the space for me to notice the world the way I notice it today. And that's cool. And that's enough. I'm good. Yeah. So thank you, Ron. This has been a great discussion on leadership. You know, we talked about leaders and managers and how the roles can be slightly different, leading others, finding others, creating leaders, sustaining leaders, and leading others that lead. So I really appreciate the time today. And I want to thank you for that. As always, I have learned something and acknowledge all of your knowledge in this particular space. So thank you. Thank you, Michelle. I acknowledge you for your questions and your insights. And as always, every time I, in a conversation with you, I'm learning something, learning in the world and learning about myself. So thank you for a great conversation. Thank you all for listening today. Please take a moment to subscribe to the story in your head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you all. And we'll see you next time.